You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Program after dinner. Means, uh, we come to the segment uh, Travel Express. Uh, Travel Express is a segment uh, yeah, that is uh, run by none other than our very own Ibrahim Badakia. Uh, my Ibrahim Ba, who is an astute uh, businessman when it comes to the world of travel. He's a legend in it and alhamdulillah traveled virtually the whole world. And alhamdulillah had made many trips to the holy lands. Ibrahim Ba, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat. And of course, our listeners out there to Radio Marqas Sahaba. Alhamdulillah, by the Qudrat of Allah, I'm in top form tonight. Yeah, alhamdulillah, although having a busy schedule, and, you know, busy with all the other things. Uh, you know, tell us, uh, what's the latest on, on your side when it comes to, uh, you know, your busy side with Itikweni and uh, with uh, your beloved Durban? Ah, well, it's business as usual. You know, if you can call it usual, or should we say business unusual? Yeah, that's <laughs> what's going on around everywhere. I think uh, with the introduction of the uh, Section 154 that you are no doubt aware of, uh, I think uh, everybody in the municipality is scrambling to cover their behinds and make sure that their books are in order a bit late in the day because I think uh, the horse is bolted already. And I think uh, they are concerned about what the uh, uh, measures they're going to take. A, firstly, to do most probably forensic audits and uh, look at the uh, competency of the people to hold positions and uh, the kind of work that's been done or hasn't been done during that period and uh, come up with the report and, of course, uh, solutions to the many challenges uh, that we are uh, in, in encountering, you know, in our, what's the name, municipality. And uh, it's been going on for years, as you all know. And, uh, of course, coupled to that is the double whammy of us having the highest increase in rates uh, for electricity, water, and other basic services that are hardly ever provided on a regular basis. I think the average turned out to be oh, maybe 12% or 12.5% or something, the highest in the country. So the people are really, uh, you know, uh, crazy. They're mad about it, and I, I believe they have a case in point simply because of the fact that you don't mind paying if the service is good and if the service is uh, consistent and regular and uh, considered to be an acceptable norm. Well, that hasn't been happening. So uh, these are the uh, things that are going on right now. Of course, you know that the uh, famous or infamous, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on, Durban July uh, took place and uh, a lot of money went into having these uh, nonsensical uh, fact Durban rocks, you know, nonsense that goes on. Basically, what they do is they put up these marquees everywhere on the Blue Lagoon this time. There was one at uh, People's Park. And all they do is uh, make a big noise and, you know, it goes on affecting everyone to the middle of the night and get drunk and things like that. And that, according to some of them, is how to have fun and make merry. I think uh, there's always lots of money and they'll put that down to tourism promotion and stuff like that. But uh, Strangely enough, when it comes to uh, providing your basic services like regular refuse removal, regular supply of uh, uh, water, clean portable drinking water, uh, making sure that the potholes are fixed, the lights are working, and then invariably uh, they say there's no money for it. So it begs the question, where are the priorities? Uh, Apart from that, uh, I think uh, we are 
uh, carrying on very much in that uh, vein. I know that uh, we have uh, plans to do some uh, uh, in your neck of the woods. Actually, we were just discussing with uh, what's this? Uh, there's another NGO nonprofit that we work with. Uh, it's called the Adopt a River, yeah, and we're looking to move in there and uh, clean up that estuary to begin with, and uh, then address the challenges of the canal network in your side in Prospecton. And uh, given the vagaries of the weather recently, I think it is imperative that uh, we get stuck in there and make sure that, uh, you know, there's a clear passage out to the river mouth and all that would need then is the opening up of the mouth uh, if and when the level should rise to a critical uh, height uh, in those canals. So uh, that basically is what's going on insofar as uh, we are happening. Of course, there's also, I told you, I think, uh, Jacobs, did I speak to you about that last week? Yeah, I think we did. Gee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's coming on strong, as is uh, Maiden Wharf Precinct. They uh, requested a proposal with costs and things like that. And so we sent them the first phase of it and uh, given them maybe a couple of weeks to respond. So that's what's happening on my side, Bob. No, that's absolutely brilliant. And you're talking about, uh, you know, Dr. River and, you know, this estuary, I remember many years ago uh, when I was flying with Ian McIntosh, I, I'm sure mm-hmm. you remember him. He was yes, also yes, yes, uh, yes. Our, our Sharks coach and also yeah. uh, Springbok too. And he told me, uh, he asked me where I lived and I said, I live in a place called Springo Beach. He said that in my time. When I was a young man, that was paradise on earth. Mm. It's to go to the river mouth and the mm-hmm. estuary there. And Alhamdulillah, bah, if you can get it back to that, uh, you know, back to that level where the kingfisher enjoyed itself, mm-hmm. the blue crane loved uh, being yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and there was a uh, pink salmon and pink prawns playing in that uh, in that uh, river there, you know, at the, at the mouth, and all mm-hmm. that is gone. You know, the poor fish. There's so much of ammonia there. They are suffocating, ba. So no, I did uh, meet with the, the owner, I think, uh, what's his name, Pasa, the owner of the Island Hotel. We had a good meeting with him a couple of months back. Uh, sadly, uh, we chatted, but uh, nothing came of it simply because of the fact that there was no follow-up. They didn't even send us the minutes of the meeting then that we could take up, up and do things upon, uh, you know, our own volition. But uh, be that as it may, the thing is, uh, I think the 26 to the 28 is some sort of, uh, uh, oh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, uh, weekend they call it, but it is to do with the rehabilitation and rejuvenation, restoration of uh, uh, rivers, estuaries and things. So uh, we just uh, confirmed our involvement in that uh, just before I left the office uh, earlier today. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we make a strong enough impact to uh, get all the other uh, role players, I'm talking about the big guns there, uh, to buy into it and make it an ongoing affair. So it's not just a flash in the pan and, you know, it goes on, uh, you know, into the future where we can ultimately uh, restore the uh, estuary and, of course, keep the the canals and all that looking clean and neat and get rid of all that... uh, invasive uh, lilies and all that that clog up the waterworks over there. So that's on the card and uh, I'm feeling uh, confident that we can swing it. It's just that uh, we've got to get uh, the thing started and uh, take it from there. Alhamdulillah, I really like your optimism and it sounds good for us 
right here in the south coast. Well, Abba, you know, generally when we talk about Germany, we think about the Mercedes Benz, the Porsches, <laughs> and we think about, hey, yeah, you, know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's something. But uh, a big visa change could make it easier for South Africans to get work in Germany. And the Germans too, uh, but on the racist side, uh, Ibrahim Ba. Well, look, I told you, I think a program gone past that racism, whether over, overt or covert, will invariably be there to one degree or the other. You're not going to rule that out. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we know who we are. We know what we are. And we don't give a damn about what somebody else thinks about us. And we hold our own and give better than we get in most instances. So uh, they can do what they want, basically. And the thing is, whoever's going to go there, they must be prepared to put up with that kind of nonsense. Otherwise, stay at home. Don't go there. Uh, if you want me to tell you exactly what's happening in Germany, I've been reading up on it, and uh, they have literally uh, committed economic suicide, right? Uh, you know that that's a powerhouse of Europe. Industrial manufacturing, you can't touch them. I mean, you talked about cars. I think uh, five or even more uh, of the top brands in the world come from there. If you look at VW, look at Audi, you look at uh, Porsche, look at... Uh, Mercedes, look at uh, BMW, and the list goes on and on, right? And uh, to uh, accede to the uh, request, the crazy request from the uh, Americans uh, not to uh, uh, inaugurate that Nord Stream 2 and Nord Stream 1 that the Americans blew up, and to opt for a more expensive uh, gas supply from across the globe, right uh, from america at a higher rate that's uh, that's madness to put it mildly and the thing is uh, you cannot remain competitive i mean you look around you just look at the automotive industry at one stage uh, there were no japs around there were no uh, chinese definitely around there were just american cars i'm talking when we when we were young right Today, you look at it, the Chinese are making such inroads into the market that uh, it's just no telling where they're going to stop. And they're giving an unbeatable combination of value for money and nice, sharp, uh, good-looking and reliable products and guarantees, of course, that even the Germans can't match. So uh, they have gone and done that uh, very stupid on their part, uh, part of the leaders, I dare say. And the thing is now it's costing them such that they cannot compete on the world stage with their products, although they might be good and fit for purpose and uh, some of the best on earth. The thing is, at the end of the day, does it make business sense? It doesn't. So uh, coming back to our topic, they have currently a shortfall insofar as skilled workers goes of 2 million people currently and growing. And uh, to address this issue, of course, the government uh, plans to reform immigration laws and uh, offering streamlined visa processes and new opportunities for skilled uh, or qualified foreign workers. Yeah, so basically the parties are sitting together and uh, nailing out a few details to make uh, skilled labor immigration law uh, stand up to whatever they need and attract up to 400,000 foreign workers annually to fill the gap, okay? So you look at two million, then you work that out, 400 goals in over there, they're going to have a few years before they even, and that's uh, assuming that they can attract the 400,000 odd workers to fill the gap. And uh, given the fact that they are on a decline now, and the thing is, I, I'm not sure how they're going to pull themselves out of it, because if that economy uh, goes down where they cannot 
sort of afford to run those factories and massive factories they are, then it's going to be a huge problem. And uh, of course, uh, they the changes are such that they will give you, a, you know, a let in the sense that uh, if you've got degrees in foreign countries, they no longer need to be uh, recognized in Germany, as long as you can demonstrate at least two years of professional experience and a state recognized degree from your country of origin. Okay, and that would just uh, bypass the normal uh, bureaucratic obstacles that get thrown into your way. Uh, furthermore, there'll be a point system uh, going on and uh, they'll give you a year basically for job seekers with vocational qualifications of universe and university degrees to find employment in Germany and points will be awarded based on language skills, ties to Germany, the usual stuff and uh, partners or spouses to enter Germany, uh, the German labor market per se. And uh, during this period, the good thing is that they allow you to engage in casual work and participate in vocational training. So the thing is, they don't prohibit you from doing casual work. At least if you're coming there and searching for jobs, you have the ability to earn uh, some money to stay alive and, uh, you know, uh, carry on there for the year just to see if you can find a suitable position that, uh, you know, they need and uh, you have sort of thing. Uh, they're wanting ma mainly people from uh, the European Union, yeah, to uh, fill in basic sectors, the healthcare, IT, carpentry, would you believe, yeah? Who said that woodworking was not in fashion and lots mm. more? Uh, the German ch Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, uh, he emphasized the urgent need for these workers because of the country's aging population and this is a common thread that wherever you go in Europe the, the population is not growing it is uh, uh, reducing over the years because of the lack of uh, new children being uh, I say new I mean children being born and uh, I guess uh, the economic uh, scenario just about anywhere you know people think twice you know, even though Allah determines you know uh, the uh, rosy and uh, whatever happens uh, for that child that is born, the thing is they feel that they'd rather be prudent and not have children rather than have to rough it out even more with another mouth to feed. And uh, we have the same story here, of course, and uh, countries like Ireland, Canada, the UK, they are actively recruiting skilled workers and coming back to South Africa, we have the same uh, problem, the brain drain, you know, given the fact that we are having uh, load shedding, like you can't talk about rampant crime that's going unchecked and of course some of the government policies that uh, absolutely make no sense and uh, the fact that people can work remotely that has allowed a lot of South Africans uh, to work for international companies without physically leaving the country so good luck to Germany with the planned uh, reduction of uh, red tape insofar as the visa applications go. Uh, maybe desperate times and uh, dis uh, desperate measures. Maybe. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, uh, letting America dictate to you and, uh, mm -hmm. as you said, the committing suicide and uh, you know, many of their plants have been moved away from Germany and put into yes. other places and so yes. forth. I mean, that is a tragedy indeed. And I mean, uh, you you look at uh, Taiwan; uh, they make uh, ninety percent of the chips for uh, the entire world, and uh, there, I believe, America is. Uh, eyeing uh, that plant they have made a replica in uh, in in florida or somewhere there in america and uh, they what they want to do now 
is uh, to recruit those that are working in the Taiwanese mm. firm mm. to put them into uh, there, take them to America, mm. and soon uh, but very surely, you know, some psychopath will bomb uh, <laughs> the yeah, Taiwanese uh, pl- uh, plant. I don't know who it was, but either one of the Blinken, Winken, I don't know who, or maybe the uh, the Pentagon officer, officials themselves, they said that uh, if China should have any designs on Taiwan, the first thing they would do is mm. bomb that factory. Now, what kind of what kind of mentality is this? You know, this is the thing that that uh, irritates and annoys the life out of me whenever it comes to the Americans. You know, wanting to uh, play God and want to be the big world policeman when their own country is rotting. Maybe they should try and fix their own backyard before poking their noses where it's not wanted. No, absolutely, the implosion has begun. Uh, oh, begun, uh, begun in from, earnest. Trust yeah, me. From, it's happening from within, and you know they worried about other than what what's happening from within is another story. As we move, uh, you know, when we are lighties, there was this uh, yacht race from uh, Cape, Cape to, to Rio. Rio. You yeah, remember? Yeah. Hey, we yeah. put our Springbuck radio on, bar, and we yeah. still listen. Hey, and uh, we were big fans of the, of the South African. Hey, is that thing coming first, and who's coming first? Because already thrilling, bar. Hmm, it was. Even though it took a while, the thing is, uh, depending on the wind and uh, the design of the yachts, they came in differently at different times, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then uh, we look at uh, Cape Town is uh, quite, uh, you know, Cape Town welcomes uh, new direct flights to Sao Paulo in uh, Brazil. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, many will go there uh, for, yeah, you know why they go to Brazil, uh, Ibrahim Ba? I know I've been there many times myself. But uh, coming back to that Cape Town Air Access, they're celebrating the exciting news of get the South African Airways flying from Cape Town direct non-stop to Sao Paulo uh, in Brazil. They used to run at one stage double daily, uh, double daily out of Johannesburg, I remember. Mm. And uh, all that came to a shuddering halt, a grinding halt because of all the malfeasance in the management over there. And uh, of course, it's a momentous occasion because it's going to be the, our first intercontinental flight from South African uh, by South African Airways uh, from Cape Town uh, to uh, Sao Paulo, which is the capital uh, in Brazil. Or I dare say, is it Brasilia? Now I'm getting my lines crossed over here. Yeah, it is Brasilia. But uh, yeah, 11 years, bar, so it's a long wait. And uh, of course, uh, the the teams have been uh, ecstatic that uh, finally all their hard work has paid off, and uh, it's a very lucrative route, uh, bar and direct non-stop over the Atlantic. It takes uh, roughly about eight hours or so. Uh, coming back, I think you might be quicker because of the uh, westerly winds that blow. That uh, gives you an excess speed of 200 kilometers per hour as well up there in the rarefied atmosphere. And uh, both cities stand to gain significantly. You know, there's huge potential for that because, uh, you know, not only will it strengthen uh, economic and cultural ties between the two countries, but it will also boost tourism and business opportunities. So uh, hats off to them for pulling that off, huh? in, uh, you know, especially in this kind of climate and the fact that our, our South African area is in such a shambles. And let's hope it works well. And I think that... Uh, that partnership that we spoke about a few months back, that most probably has got to do something with it as well. And uh, it is indeed a crucial market, but uh, 
I think it was before the pandemic in 2019, a remarkable 43,000 passengers traveled between these uh, two countries. And passenger growth averaged an impressive 26% a year on year. And that was between 2015 and 2019. So the potential is huge and uh, it's there for the taking. And I hope they provide a quality, a high quality service that is reliable, that is consistent and uh, on time, of course, with good equipment. And uh, yeah, there is a lot of room for them to make money because I think they would be the only extra air carrier serving that route. And uh, I think they are optimistic that uh, this would lead uh, to a notable recovery uh, in Latin American traffic to Cape Town. And uh, I think they're all looking forward to that. I don't, uh, I didn't see uh, any uh, mention of exactly when that's coming online, but I would think it is rather soon in the offing. So uh, that's the story about uh, Cape Town and Sao Paulo. And yeah. still, you know, and the thing is the fact that they are on the same latitude. If when you're coming in, you know, your final approach to landing, you'll swear that you, you are flying over Natal, KZN or Durban for that matter, because the vegetation and everything is identical. Absolutely. And uh, the people are nice. The thing with the, if you go to further afield to Rio and places like that, what always struck me was the fact that it looks like nobody ever worked there and everyone was on perpetually on holiday. So, yeah. So those wanting to make the trip, there you have it. Mm. You know, but then uh, there was this uh, discussion uh, between uh, CC and Ramaphosa. Uh, no, rekindling the hopes of uh, Cecil John Rhodes building a railway uh, line from the Cape to Cairo, bah? Hmm. Yeah. How would that do as a tour, a tourist? Uh, well, look, city? it would be a good thing, but the thing is perhaps they should fix our, our roads. Yeah, fix our bloody railroad that works from Durban to, to Johannesburg, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. Then we talk about going further afield. Oh, my God. Talk yeah. about being ambitious. I mean, uh, like a pipe dream. Actually. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we leave that pipe on side, bah? And we go on to, uh, you know, five tips uh, to help you become an eco-conscious traveler, Ba. Yeah, this is something that uh, the managing director of the first group of hotels and resorts uh, shared, uh, you know, to uh, you helping you to become an eco-conscious traveler. I'm just going to run through it very quickly for the sake of time. It's basically reduce, reuse and recycle. That's one of it, uh, avoid using single items, you know, like single use items like plastics and all that nonsense. Uh, conserve energy and uh, respect wildlife and nature, opt for eco-friendly transport, and of course, conserve water. Don't, uh, uh, don't pollute streams and rivers if you can help it, right? And uh, incorporate all those practices into your holiday and you can experience relaxation while making a meaningful impact on the environment and it's important uh, to have sustainable choices there's that word again sustainable 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 right to contribute to a brighter future for generations to come that in a nutshell are the tips that he was giving everybody yeah well done there ba you really you know how you really are a radio man <laughs> and a broadcaster full marks for that and uh, then we look at the titanic uh, you know will the titanic sub disaster tank uh, the submersible tourism industry, Ba? 
Yeah, that recent in, uh, incident involving the implosion of that uh, Ocean Gate uh, expedition uh, Titan, it has raised serious concern about the safety of deep sea tourism. And uh, whilst it's something that only the uber rich can afford, the thing is uh, this episode uh, or fiasco or disaster, call it what you may, has uh, really got the people doing a second take, second guessing the safety of it. And uh, the thing is, uh, I'm not sure how much of an impact it will definitely impact negatively. But the thing is, unless and until they have uh, or they come up with, and I know there are other companies uh, in the the same business, you know, you've got to undergo strict regulation and certification of all your equipment. When I say equipment, I mean your submersible, for instance, and everything that goes up to make uh, that uh, submersible seaworthy, to say. And there's uh, companies like Seamagine, uh, SEA, Magin, Seamagine Hydrospace. There's also one called U-Boat Works with an X, and they have it. Excuse me, offering submersible experiences for years and have maintained excellent safety records. So that's on the plus side. The minus side, I think these guys went off half cocked and they didn't uh, bargain on uh, what happened over there. I think they went too deep, and of course, the pressure down there at uh, those levels is horrendous, and that's where the implosion took place. So uh, basically what they are saying is that despite the recent incident, the demand for personal submersible and pilot training courses continues to grow with luxury cruise lines and yacht operators still offering these unique experiences. Like I said, it's just for the chosen few who have got lots of money and some of them was more money than they have sent sometimes as well as the case in this accident that took place. They, and they maintain that cancellations have been uh, minimal indicating that they still have confidence in the industry's commitment to safety. Now, moving forward, the industry faces the challenge of addressing uh, misconceptions and reassuring potential travelers uh, after this incident, unfortunate as it might have been. And uh, of course, they are marketing the products harder, throwing more money at it and uh, hoping to, uh, uh, you know, allay any fears that the uh, traveling public who are in a position to afford those things might uh, entertain after this uh, accident. And uh, that's where we're at, Pa. It does not uh, diminish diminish the potential for unforgettable and safe uh, submersible experiences, they say. So let's see what happens. Yeah, you get the takers. Yeah, they Mm. want to take a chance. And you see, Tatama Chance and you Tatama Millions, exactly. Yeah, forget the millions. Tatama Chance, Tatama Disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, we look at Table Mountain, uh, still popular amongst travelers, bar, with close to 300,000 visitors uh, over the summer. Yeah, Table Mountain, the aerial cable car company, of course, uh, has an excellent service record. And I think we did cover this in a few programs back where they were closing down for a bit to uh, renew those things or the cabling and whatnot else to give it a proper uh, service check and renew whatever components that were in need of uh, renewing to make it uh, safe for a longer period of time going forward. And... uh, yeah, like you said correctly, 300,000 visitors just in summer. And uh, they welcome, they are welcoming its uh, 30, get this millionth visitor since its opening in 1929. So it's got an excellent record mm. uh, globally. Huh? 
that uh, it's been run very well. And uh, the renowned co-custodians of the Cape Floristic region and sensitive table mountain ecosystem is that word again. Yeah. And this was a testament to the enduring allure of its pristine natural landscape and the dedicated efforts of its team. Now, I think, uh, if I'm not uh, wrong here, the thing is, I do believe that Table Mountain should be classified as one of the wonders of the world. That setting is unlike anywhere else on Earth. And it has, of course, its own allure, its own charm, its own appeal. And that is why the people keep flocking to there. And uh, the company also revealed that it hosted a special birthday for a former resident in italics of the Upper Cableway Station in January. Uh, uh, apparently, there's a gentleman called David Bester. He spent the first few months of his life with his parents on the top of the mountain when his dad in the 1940s worked as a cableway operator. So, yeah, I think a nice touch over there. And uh, although summer has gone, the thing is, uh, the MD of the company, Wahida Parker, said that they were open all year round, offering a whole lot of activities and experiences that change with the seasons. And uh, she encouraged Cape Tonians to come out and play, even though it was a bit chilly outside. And uh, off-season explorations are every bit as rewarding, according to her, uh, you know, when compared with this uh, summer summit sojourns. And uh, fewer crowds, shorter queues, uh, can give you a better all-round experience. And of course, winter has its own charm with the mountain waterfalls and the most, you know, that summer rain, uh, winter rain in Cape Town being Mediterranean climate uh, are most majestic according to her and uh, gives you a rare sight of snow-capped peaks as well. So uh, I guess uh, Cape Town is uh, pushing the winter uh, season over there as well. And of course, they've got the Table Mountain to back them up. Yeah, the Table Mountain there. And uh, let's uh, end up on a frightening note here, Bar. <laughs> Uh, a passenger unimpressed uh, to be seated next to a uh, pit bull on a flight. I mean, I see a, pl- a pit bull eight miles away, I'll run away. Yeah, yeah you'll reverse. I know that. Tell us, Ba. Yeah. What, anyway, what this, can only, this can only happen in the crazy US of A, right? You can, you can take that as a given. Anyway, this passenger found herself in an uncomfortable situation on a flight from LA to Atlanta. Unfortunately for her, she was seated next to a 22-kilogram pit bull with the dog's owner casually puffing on an e-cigarette. And uh, she expressed her frustration on social media, recounting how she was asked to give up her seat for the pit bull, but declined. The gall and nerve of it, would you believe? Uh, only to find that the dog already was already occupying a seat when she arrived. Uh, she also mentioned that the pit bull's owner acted as if she was being unreasonable. So she was quite uh, cheesed off with the whole uh, affair. And uh, she has no, uh, apparently had no issue with the dog, but uh, she was upset that uh, the airline would allow such a situation to occur and expressed her dissatisfaction strongly about having dog hair all on her clothes and the thing is lolling and drooling all over the carpet and things like that. It's really disgusting and I wouldn't put up with that kind of nonsense myself. And uh, it wasn't the dog's fault. I think it was the airline that, uh, I mean, if you go in an aircraft these days, the economy class, they call it cattle class, of course, for a reason. It is so cramped. Now, can you imagine you sitting in the seat with the 22 kg uh, pit bull in your lap? I mean, what kind of nonsense is this? But they allowed it. And of course, she voiced her opinion and uh, took exception to it. And I'm all for it because uh, don't blame the dog, blame uh, the airline. 
and of course the owner who's wanting to do something like that. And uh, of course Delta Airlines is the culprit in charge over there and uh, basically they didn't do much and you know the usual story oh we'll 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 uh, make a note of it and there will be a we will conduct some sort of in, internal investigation you know and they'll give it a soft soap apology we apologize sincerely blah 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 but it doesn't cut it at the end of the day we ruined the lady's experience and flight as well and uh, LA to LA to Atlanta bar if you know your geography LA is in the west Atlanta's on the East Coast almost, so it's a long haul. I dare say maybe five, six hour flight, mm. if I'm mistaken. Even more if you're going from north to maybe uh, southeast, I would dare say. But uh, yeah, and uh, the, uh, basically in summary, the passenger's frustration was about having the dog right next to her and animals in the cabin. I mean, come on. And uh, it raised concerns about passenger comfort, adherence to airline policies, and the need for clear regulations regarding having pets on flights. So uh, that's the story with the pit bull bar. Yeah, we're pit bull. Uh, we are getting into our pit stop now, bar, because uh, yeah, we've run two minutes or three minutes uh, over time. But Alhamdulillah, a fascinating conversation uh, with you on your segment. Uh, Travel Express. Uh, your parting words this evening, Ba? Yeah, seeing that everybody is so judgmental about anyone they see, you know, they just look at you and they want to categorize you and say, oh, he's like this and he's that and whatever. Uh, listen to this. Uh, we are like books. Most people only see our cover. The minority read only the introduction. Many people believe the critics, but few will ever know our content. What a what a value uh, you know a brilliant point there. Only see the headlines, but don't read the article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know those uh, boards they used to put around. Bah, mm-hmm. you have a brilliant brilliant evening ahead. Inshallah, we will talk to you soon. Uh, I know you're going to be bon voyage soon, but you'll be keeping in touch with us from Inshallah, wherever Inshallah. I have connectivity yeah. and the time permits. Yeah, we Inshallah. can. Inshallah. No, no, we, we 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 can't miss out on your on your uh, brilliant. Uh, you know, way the way you present yourself and Alhamdulillah, with the vast knowledge you have, we have to tap into you, Ba. So you have a, a brilliant uh, evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, Brother Shafat, uh, to you and uh, the management of Radio Marcus Sahaba. And of course, our listeners out there who put up with us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Zakallah khaira, Ba. And assalamu alaikum uh, to you. Yeah, I can tell you, Lukolo, thank you very much for brilliant engineering. Keep it locked on to uh, Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.